Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuivy. I'm your host, as always. Good to have you here with me. This week on the podcast, I am welcoming Pete Copeland, who is the executive director of the Great Reno Balloon Race, which is one of my favorite events here in town. It's coming up this weekend, September 10th through the 12th at Rancho San Rafael Park. If you live in Reno, I'm sure you're familiar already with the Great Reno Balloon Race. It is a huge event, tons of balloons. This is their 40th anniversary, so it's a pretty big deal this year. And I was really excited to be able to talk to Pete about what is going on with the balloon races and also learn a little bit about the balloon event industry in general and why it's so important to Reno, how it all kind of works. It was a really great conversation, so I'm excited to share it with you. Before we get into the interview, though, as always, a couple notes from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by DJ Trivia. I am a host for DJ Trivia at several venues around town. You can go to djtrivianevada.com to find venues nearest to you. It's free to play. There's prizes to win. We have great venues all over town. I host several different venues in town, so I hope to see you at one of my venues soon. But find one in your neighborhood. Find a host that you like. It's a lot of fun. I hope you'll check it out soon. That's djtrivianevada.com. Also, this week's episode is brought to you by This Is Reno. This Is Reno is my favorite local news source. I highly recommend if you want to know what's going on in town that you subscribe to This Is Reno. Go to thisisreno.com to sign up. It's really amazing that we have such a fantastic local news source covering everything that's going on here in Reno at the local level that you're not always going to see on the television news or in our local paper. So check out thisisreno.com. You can subscribe to the newsletter and get headlines and stories in your email box. It's really a great source of news, and I hope that you will check it out. And as always, my email address is connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. If you have any feedback about the show, about this episode, guests you want to hear, that's one of my favorite things to hear from listeners is what you want to hear on the show, episodes that you've enjoyed, things that you want to hear more of. I appreciate the feedback. I'd love to hear what you want from the show so that I can make sure it's the best it can be. Shoot me an email. And now this week's guest, Pete Copeland. Pete Copeland, welcome to Renoites. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about the Great Reno Balloon Race. Thank you for having me. You are the executive director of the Great Reno Balloon Race. It's one of the most fun and exciting events of the year, for me at least, in Reno. I think everyone knows it. It is so visible because there's all these balloons that just take off over the entire city. So I'm excited to talk to you today a little bit about the Reno Balloon Races specifically, but also just kind of balloon events in general. Mm-hmm. I've been to several places in the country that also have kind of balloon races. And I know there's a whole world of balloon piloting out there that I know nothing about, but I think it's such a kind of weird and cool hobby. Can you just tell me a little bit about how the balloon races work? So it's this three day event here in Reno, but there's also balloon races or balloon events around the country. Can you just kind of give me the landscape of how ballooning works as an industry? Is it all event based? How does it work? Well, I'm going to first correct you when you say one of the best events. Let's just get it right. From the balloon races, we are the event, right? Everyone is kind of looking up. No, it's really a, a great event. It's really amazing. I think what I can do is is even kind of go back how we all started because that's really kind of the really neat thing is the balloon races are the equivalency in the air show world as the Simpsons were to the Troy C. Allman show is we were born out of the air races and just became a bigger event. Huh. The, the Great Reno Balloon Race in the old days prior to us being an official event 
we were the uh, warm-up act for the air races out at the air races. They used to line up a bunch of balloons early in the morning just to give fans something to come out and do. And, and they'd launch these balloons. And they found that the crowds were really big in the morning for this ballooning stuff. So, so from that, the idea was, well, hey, let's put this ballooning event the weekend before the air races and we can have this kind of air show thing. I think one of the, the strategies in those days was that they would actually keep fans in town for two weeks, which is kind of ludicrous in, de- in today's world. You know, mobility is everything, but um, the concept was good. So in, uh, in 1982, they decided that, hey, Rancho San Rafael Park is this great little place to do it. It's a little more intimate. It's not hot pavement kind of-esque. So they put 20 balloons out there the weekend before and kind of told a few people about it and it just blew up. And here we are 40 years later and we are the world's largest free hot air ballooning event. Pretty amazing. That's awesome. Why do you think that the balloons were such a draw for people? I mean, I've been to the balloon races a bunch of times, but I've never been to the air races. And for me, at least, I think it's because the balloons have this kind of magical quality that I don't really get from planes, I guess, because, you know, we fly on planes all the time. Something about the balloons are kind of, they remind us of childhood. They have this kind of maybe playful nature that the planes don't. Why do you think that the balloons have more of a broad appeal? Is that it? I think you said, you touched on a lot of things and it's really uh, intuitive about how we look at it. First off, Balloons take you back to a simpler time. It's 1928 and it's Indiana Jones, right? It's it's a simpler time. It's it's a Rockefeller period in that sense of America is great, but it's not so bustly and and there's some mystery out there, right? I don't know what's over that hill, so I'm going to get in this balloon and fly over that hill and and I think that's some of the allure of the balloon race and that captures us. It it does do that. It does create that ambiance of that feeling. The other thing is, is that you touched on is positive connotation, right? An airplane is not a positive connotation. When I say airplane, you're like, yeah. When I say waterfall or puppy or balloon, your brain goes to a different place. And as human beings, we really gravitate to those positive connotations, right? I love puppies. Give me a puppy, a rainbow, a sucker, and a balloon. I'm good to go, right? (laughs) That's Disneyland. You know, so the balloon races bring all that out. And that kid in you that fun spirit and and then just the majesty and the beauty of it right it's just so beautiful and many ballooning events you can get up close and personal to the balloons for some reason it feels different here and i've gone to the albuquerque event numerous times and mm-hmm. i've been to other ballooning events but there's an energy and i think it's a lot of it's rancho san rafael and the setting the intimacy of our event it just has a really great vibe. And I mean, from day one, this community has embraced this event. And to this very day, it's probably the most beloved event we have here. And it's a community owned event. We're just the stewards of it. We just make sure it stays healthy and good. So that that's what I think is so important about what you said about why, why ballooning is such a big deal here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do, what do you think draws pilots to balloon? You talked a little bit about this throwback to simpler times and wanting to float over the mountain and and see what you can see, that kind of thing of getting above it all. There's a community of pilots, I'm guessing, that travel around to these big balloon events. Do we have local pilots? Are there kind of hubs of regular ballooning outside of the event space where there's a lot of pilots who can practice and learn these things? We only hear about ballooning in Reno during the Great Reno Balloon Race, but there are pilots, I'm sure, that are 
training and practicing and breaking records and all the different things people do in their ballooning careers. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like outside of just Reno? Like what does the, the balloon piloting hobbyist lifestyle look like for a lot of these folks that are coming to Reno for the races? Well, it's definitely a lifestyle. And, and I think the thrill of piloting an aircraft like a balloon is, I think it's the skill and the challenge of it. It's so different. These are truly aircraft pilots that have a special license to fly balloons. So they're definitely navigating through wind currents and so on and so forth. So it's really a skill. And so I think it's the challenge. And there's this real passion and love that you see from these pilots that Sometimes it's hard to tap into it, but you definitely can understand it. They just love it. And it's a lot of work and it's a real commitment and it's a lot of money, but man, they're just into it. And we're lucky that we can tap into the best pilots in the world. And we're very fortunate. I think the one thing you mentioned just a minute ago is what does it look like outside of the event? First and foremost, I want to just mention to you, we have some of the best pilots in the world right here in our backyard and they all fly at this event. Our flight director, Katie Griggs, um, wonderful, wonderful young lady, uh, brilliant pilot. She flies out of Minden Gardnerville, actually Dayton Valley, I should say. She's been our flight director for the last 10 years, and she's one of the leaders in flight. So you think of the industry, Reno's got a little bit of a hub there. We've got a pilot in Minden Gardnerville in that area that trains pilots every year. We put them through an incubator program at the Great Reno Balloon Race so we can train those pilots the way we want them trained. So there's a lot of coordination and depth. And then once you get out of, out of the region, well, Albuquerque's kind of the hub for flying because it's really the the epicenter of ballooning. You know, it's the biggest event in the world, hands down. It's just massive. So so we see all these little pockets in the West of of these pilots and these passionate people. What makes a place a hub for ballooning? Is it just that the pilots have tended to coalesce in one place or are there certain elements of the environment that are beneficial for it? Is there any reason you can think of that certain places draw ballooners more than others? I think the pilots on the West Coast, and I'm biased, are the best pilots because they fly in all these different downdrafts through the mountains. And that's the big thing there where the East, it's it's a much more straightforward type of flying. But these amazing pilots, and there's an event in New Mexico that goes on where these pilots are flying through these red rock canyons and they're not touching the edges and they're going down. The, I mean, it's just extraordinary what they can do. Again, the skill level of these pilots is, is amazing. I think with the winds and all the different types of flying in the West, it's a much more diverse area and there's just so much more blue sky. There's so much more area to go mm-hmm. and balloon, right? Yeah. How does, how does the race part work? Cause we talk about the balloon races and I know a lot of these events have these kind of race and competition elements. I think for most of the spectators, we're just happy to see the balloons take off and you know, it's, it's pretty <laughs> and it's fun and it's cool, but there is this competition element too. Can you talk a little bit about how the, the race part works and the, the records work and kind of the, the competition aspect of balloon piloting? Balloon pilots, like a lot of us, are very competitive, and so they want to have some level of seeing how they stack up to their peers in flying skills. So we do have a competition element. It takes place on uh, Friday, Saturday during the event. One day, the first day consists of the pilot literally just taking a beanbag. We have a target across the street from the event in this area north of uh, Rancho San Rafael, and they literally have to fly over the target at a certain height. You can't get like right over it yet. You know, the FAA requires us to fly at a certain height and they throw a beanbag and they score. And then the next day, the scoring will be in a digital format, which is really neat. 
what they'll do is they do it off an app on their phone. They have to float right over the target, get the right photo and do it. We combine the two days. There's a point system there. And then we assign a winner and there's a small prize money there. It's more bragging rights. And that's a big deal in these guys' world. So that's what we do. And it's kind of fun. And then on Sunday, when we're breaking after we're done flying on the last day, we have a big awards banquet. We thank all of our pilots and our fans and our volunteers and we bring them in, we feed them. They all get to have this award. And so it's a lot of fun and it's a great way for the pilots. And I'll tell you just as a side note, going back to an earlier question, our event, even though our event is smaller than like Albuquerque and all that, our event is considered the premier event to get to. It's an invitation only event. And we have a waiting list of pilots and people to even apply. So it's, it's really a coveted event and people want to be here. This is the event. Albuquerque's big, but anyone can get in there. Mm -hmm. This is exclusive. And we kind of like it that way. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Now that's cool to be able to say that it is that you really are bringing out the best pilots. One of the things I think about with competition, things like this that involve some type of equipment, whether that's auto racing, balloon piloting, whatever, there's this combination of the equipment and the gear that you have, the crew that you have that's putting it all together and the the skill of the pilot of actually the person who is operating this equipment. How do you think ballooning kind of fits into that? You know, it, I think it's all of those. The camaraderie is a big deal, right? These are fam, family, friends, and, you know, they may only fly an hour on a good day, but they're together all morning and they're breakfasting together and they're, you know, they tailgate. I swear the balloonist they invented tailgating, man. They know how to tailgate. So they, they know how to tailgate. So it's a real social environment and it's a real social connection. Usually the pilots have a network around them, the people that gravitate to that same desire that they have and like-minded people draw like-minded people. And I think that when you put that environment together and those ingredients, it brings and it creates strong friendships. And so I think it's easy. They, they see it as just part of it. And then for the pilot kind of the extra part of that answer is, yeah, it's the skill, it's the passion, it's the fun. It's all those other things we talked about, about going to fly. And then they get to take their friends up there and do it with them and show them. And it's the slowest adrenaline rush you'll ever have. Let me tell you. (laughs) So I think it's all of those ingredients and it's a cult. It's a, it's, not in a bad way, Colt, but it's <laughs> it's a family. It's very, it's really neat to see. It's really neat to see. Yeah, it seems like the community element is probably huge because I imagine most people get into ballooning because they have some sort of family connection or social connection or whatever. I just don't know how many random people are up and deciding, oh, I would like to be a balloon pilot without a community around. Or does that happen? And then they are able to get to know people and, and get into that community. Well, let me give you a great example. We have a local pilot. Her name is Carolyn Mum. She's wonderful. She she moved up here about 10 years ago from Southern California, where a lot of us had come from. She was just looking for a new life and and someone got her as a volunteer introduced to the balloon races as a volunteer. Fast forward today, she's one of my pilots, right? She went in, she was introduced to it and she caught the bug. She went through the process of learning everything. She got her license, her pilot license. She got a balloon. She went through our incubator program for two years where they first year they just do like a static display. Then the second year they'll fly for themselves. Then the third year we'll let them take a guess. So it's a process, but that's a great example of the bug catching you. And then now her son 
at 16 years old is being trained to come up and we'll be talking about him in two years, Connor, because I'll be saying, yeah, remember that example? Well, now he's 18 and now he's flying for us. So you, you can see how it just grabs you sometimes. When did novelty balloon shapes start to come into the picture? Because I think that that's one of the really fun things for people at the races to see these really fun balloons. There's famous characters. <laughs> there's some elaborate shapes. They're like, how the heck does that thing even fly. Right. So when did those kind of come into the picture and what's the process for making those? Like who's making these balloons? How does that work as far as having an idea for a balloon that's kind of off the wall and outside of the norm? Who comes up with those ideas? How do they get made? Who's flying these things? When did that become part of the air race or the balloon event? Right. You know, it's funny. They've actually been around since the early days of flying, but they've really kind of changed. In the early days, it was like the Burger King balloon and like the the Jack Daniels whiskey balloon. <laughs> so when you look at photos of the event, you look at the early days in the 90s, you see a lot of that. The American Eagle was there. The more modern special shape balloons we're seeing now are definitely more elaborate and more unique. You know, everything progresses, right? They want it better, bigger, faster, more unique, cheaper, whatever it is. And we see that as an important element of the event is having, having a lot of beautiful traditional teardrop balloons is what we refer to them. But the special shapes are like the hook. They're like the difference. They're like the key. And there's so many neat balloons out there now that you can tap into. It's just a lot of fun. And, and this year will be no different for us. We're going to see a lot of neat balloons here that you've never seen. And they're really unique. That's a lot of fun. And then as far as manufacturing, it's amazing. The manufacturer of most of the special shape balloons comes out of Brazil. Hmm. So they just have this knack for give us an idea and we'll figure out a way to manufacture it, it seems like. And they come up with some crazy stuff. So, uh, And we're just going to continue to see more and more of that. And special shapes are going to continue to be a bigger part of our event as we move forward. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Has there been a lot of advancement in balloon technology, basically, in over the years? I, how does What does that look like? Well, the material that the envelopes are made of is getting better. It's getting lighter. It's getting more durable. It's getting tougher. So the equipment is getting more reliable. The equipment's getting lighter. So I think technology is actually helping the ballooning industry because it's all about weight and physics and all that. So... I see the ballooning industry utilizing a lot of this technology to better themselves as far as their equipment. It's still the safest flying you'll ever do is ballooning, without a doubt, not even close. Ballooning is by far the safest flight you'll ever do. Okay. I was going to ask you about that, about the safety issues of balloons. I assume that they're getting more and more safe as technology improves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the one thing that you'll see at our event, and not to go into a morbid direction, but... You know, when you do hear of a ballooning accident, generally it centers around a group balloon that has like a 10 to 12 passenger basket. You'll see a lot of that in Albuquerque. I've seen some crazy things in Albuquerque. You won't see one of those out here. I don't do those big launch balloons with lots of passengers and all that. They're heavy. They're big. They don't maneuver well. You got to be a little nimble flying in Reno because you know you got power lines and you got to know how to fly. And those things are like flying a you know, 57 Chevy, it just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't happen. Right. So going to the safety side of it, we're very, very particular. And it goes back to what I just said to you, it's invitation only. And we vet all of our pilots, right? If you've got to have an immaculate flying record and a lot of hours to get into this event. Do you think that having more technology and better equipment and better materials for balloons 
in a lot of ways, those technologies in other industries or whatever tend to lower the barriers to entry for people to get involved. Like for people who are interested in technology, all of a sudden technology things are cheaper. Is ballooning becoming more accessible to people over time or is it is it still hard to get involved in? I think, you know, it's funny. If you would have asked me five years ago, I would have said, man, I, I wish I felt a little bit better about the ballooning industry and what's happening. But I could say today, I feel really good about the direction of the ballooning industry. And I, I think to your question, yeah, I think accessibility cost-wise is probably there. Technology, you know, can improve everything. I think if someone's really passionate about it and they get introduced to it, they're going to love it. I think that's it. And and I think that flight, the skill set is still a big deal, right? Because yeah, I can go jump off a mountain and do that, but can you fly this aircraft through these means? That's a real skill set, right? And mm-hmm. and it requires not only just having the physical brawn, but you got to understand the physics. There's there's so many elements from the mathematical side of how the balloon works, right? So it's so unique, but I see a lot of young people getting into it firsthand. And I bet I have... S- seven, eight, nine new pilots that are under 30 or right around 30 right now, just this year. And that's a good sign for us. Yeah. I was going to say that seems exciting that there are young people participating in for an event like this to continue to be sustainable and to go yes. on long into the future. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We see, we see a lot of future for the great Reno balloon race and we're very excited about the young pilots. We're getting the special shapes we're seeing on the horizon. You know, we feel it can only just get better. That's great. And it's been around for a long time already. So this is the 40th anniversary, Correct. right? 40 years, right. So how, how have the races kind of like grown and changed over time? You said they started as just a kind of addition to the air races, but now they've grown to this big event. How many, are we having more and more balloons every time? Like, how's it changing? Yeah, yeah. I think it's changing by improving the quality of the experience for the fan. More balloons is not does not make us better. In fact, I've actually got less balloons than I had probably 10 years ago. And that's on purpose. First off, it's about safety. You know, having, having 80, 90 balloons is, is as good as having 110, but having 110 presents a lot of logistical problems compared to 90. So, you know, it's all those things. It's the quality. And we kind of don't think of quantity other than when we preach the largest, (laughs) we think of quality, the experience, we make sure we have the best pilots with as neat a balloons as possible spread out over a, a large area where fans have accessibility to all the various balloons at different angles for photos and everything else. So we think of the experience. We introduced a VIP tent 10 years ago. And I mean, it's just a heated, fully catered tent with a bar is a pretty neat way to watch the balloons on the pasture, right? So I think for us, the challenge has actually been, where do we house everybody? How can we continue to manage these crowds? Because we're not going to get smaller with crowds. They're going to be more and more people. And, you know, for us, it may be expanding, you know, right now we have three event days and one media day in in the future, it may be four event days and a media day. So, you know, that's Mm -hmm. how we're going to do it and how we're going to get better and everything else is to go broad versus, you know, more. Gotcha. That makes sense. Has, and Rancho San Rafael has been a great venue for the balloon races for years, right? Is it, our is home. there anywhere else? It's no. got to be the only place you yeah. can do it, right? It's family. And boy, it wouldn't be under my tenure. I wouldn't want a divorce. The county, I'm telling you what, we have some amazing people within our county and they recognize the value of this event and the mental health this event brings to the community, right? Being free is a big deal. There's no other event like our size that's free. Trust me, we hear from other events about how we're, you know, making the making these events worse by being free, but 
it's been our mantra from day one and we'll never change it. And so the county loves that. And this county partnership is great. Uh, Rancho San Rafael is our home. And that's it. it. It'll never be anywhere else. <laughs> if it goes, we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great to hear. So you mentioned that it's a free event. It's your nonprofit. Can you talk a little bit about the the partnerships with local organizations? Absolutely. And obviously, the purpose of this event is that it's fun and it's great, but it's also it's raising money and it's. Can you talk a little bit about some of those community connections and, yeah. and what we really get out of the balloon races as a city, in addition to the event itself? Yeah. Well, the two key partnerships there are foundation partnerships with the the community nonprofits. Starts with first and foremost is the Children's Cabinet. We've been in association with the Children's Cabinet here now for thirty some odd years, thirty one years, I believe through a, a wonderful donation from the Wilbur May Foundation, uh, which is Dixie May and her group. We're so fortunate, but the Children's Cabinet comes out every year. We uh, bring in two special shaped balloons to tether rides for kids at the Children's Cabinet. It's a good way to introduce them to ballooning. It's really positive. And we've done over 15,000 rides in the last 30 years with them. And that's a, that's an important partnership. And that's one that I would imagine is going to last as long as us have, <laughs> at, at Rancho. Can you talk a little bit about what the Children's Cabinet is for people who are Oh yeah, absolutely. Children's Cabinet is a uh, is a youth center for at risk youth here in Northern Nevada, and what they do is they have outreach into these kids and help them, help them steer them, give them the resources and the direction and the stability that they need and can use to get started on the right path. And a group over there does an amazing work, and we're very very fortunate to have them. They were actually the PGA Charity of the Year, and like five years ago. It was amazing through the Barracuda Championship. So it's a big deal. And it was really nice to see him get that award. But I I think that just shows the impact they must make on the community if they're getting recognized by the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. And you're also a volunteer run organization, basically, right? Isn't almost all of the work that's done to put the race on done by volunteers? Yeah, you met the rest of our staff, Melissa. So it's <laughs> Melissa and myself. And that's a great question. I mean, this thing is a beast. We have a tremendous amount of volunteers and we couldn't do it without them. But just to, for an example, it's Melissa and I put this together over over the course of the year. Albuquerque has like 38 full-time staff members. <laughs> so oh. it gives you perspective. But we have a great group of volunteers. We're really fortunate. Our board of directors is so engaged, so involved, so solution-based that we're really fortunate. It frees Melissa and I to really like do what we need to do to get this thing together and make sure it's fun, free, safe, and you know, just a positive experience. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for the rest of the year? Obviously, leading up to the races, I'm sure you're incredibly busy with all of the last minute logistics stuff in the months leading up. What does it look like over the course of the year as far as planning for the future events and staying in contact with all of these pilots and, and vetting and all of that kind of stuff? How does that work over the course of the year, basically, when it's not right in the middle of the event? Yeah, okay. If you ever saw the movie Elf and you remember when the elves got done building everything and Christmas was over and then they said, yay, Christmas is done. It's time to start on next year. <laughs> I swear that's us. So Monday morning, Melissa and I will be going, okay, so here we go. But that's actually not true. We actually started on 2022, probably three months ago with various things. We have to secure our special shaped balloons right now, right? You got to order them in way in advance. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're actually working on it now, but there's so many moving pieces. And what's happening right now is everything's being identified that needs to be improved for 2022. So as soon as we're done here, like we have a VIP tent 
we're using a, a rudimentary system of mailing stuff. Well, we'll go to a digital system next year because it'll be much easier. So Melissa will jump right into finding that solution, making sure it works for our fans. So there's a lot of work. And then we do take a nice little chunk of time off around December, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> I'm looking at the other half here. Kind of. So it's ongoing. And the minute we get to January, it's like, go, go, go. Mm. And the other part of that is a lot of corporations we deal with, they're doing their budgets in October. So I'm we're knee deep into like talking to our sponsors for next year already. So it doesn't really miss a beat. It's got a nice rhythm to it. About April, the rhythm really starts picking up. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you mentioned so you mentioned the sponsorships because I know that's a big part of how mm-hmm. these balloons work, right? So our local sponsors are paying to sponsor balloons and, and pay for the pilots and stuff to get out here. Right. Uh, how does that all work? Can you talk a little bit about just the the corporate um, sponsorship element of making this thing work? Yeah. Well, you know, we have to pay for it some way and without a gate, that's how you do it. And and this was this was a really good partnership for us. So companies can come in and sponsor a balloon where they have access to that balloon for the three days of the event. They get the rides in the balloon, they get jackets, they get parking passes. That's worth its own right. But various experiences from our VIP tent to the rides and the interaction, we have quite a few parties, believe it or not. Like I said, this is a very social group. So they like their barbecue. So it's really fun for the the sponsors to engage in that level with them. And with the event, this event just has that really cool vibe. It just has a really cool vibe. And I think people want to be associated with that. So, so that's kind of what the sponsorships are about is, is getting involved in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not paying attention last year. Did the balloon races happen last year? They did not. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what we did last year is last year, everything got canceled because of COVID, but what we ended up doing because we did not want to postpone anything. We wanted to be done with the COVID year. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. so what we did is the weekend of the event, instead of having an event, we brought in a handful of balloons, about 12 to 15, and we launched balloons out of the park that day without an event. And the reason why we did that is because we wanted to continue the every year that weekend of launching. So that was our 39th year, and that would get us to this year, our 40th. We wanted no part of like postponing. We were going to put a balloon up and then say, great, 39 consecutive years we've flown. Now we're going to our 40th. <laughs> Got it. Well, I think that's yeah, a pretty yeah. good approach. Yeah. So you don't have to say you didn't, you didn't technically skip a year. You still mm-hmm. technically had mm-hmm. an event. Um, so you don't have to reset the counter or anything. Yeah. That's pretty smart. Yeah. 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 That was our little way of getting by COVID year. So gotcha. <laughs> so, well, now we have a year. Well, again, it's not that it's not a COVID year. Obviously there's still concerns, but the event is back on for real this year in full force, but there's also the, the smoke and the fire is going on. So can you Tell me a little bit about the particular challenges of this year, both around COVID and putting on an event where people are going to be gathering. It's outdoors, which helps a lot. And also dealing with the smoke. It's been worse this year, I think, than I've ever seen in Reno. Can you talk about how that affects pilots and how it affects your planning? Yeah. Well, you know, first and foremost, I'll address the COVID situation. The great thing about the great Reno balloon race is that we're 100% outdoors and there's 500 acres to spread out. And, you know, our our fans recognize this. I think if you're going to have a special event in this kind of environment, this is probably the way you do it. We feel pretty good about being able to spread everything out and people finding their own little private Idaho to do the event. You know, obviously there's a lot of success with, with some vaccinations out there. So we think, you know, hopefully that continues to improve as we get closer to the event itself. 
with regards to the smoke, we just don't worry about it. There's nothing we can do with the smoke. I mean, it is what it is. What we will do is we'll take it on a day-by-day basis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, the, if it's too smoky to fly, which we need three to four miles of visibility, then we'll just do what's called a static display, which is very popular. We'll, we'll stand all the balloons up, inflate them all, but they just won't lift off. And they're really good. And even if it's smoke, you're going to get great photos up close of balloons. And we've found on windy days, that's what we do on windy days, it's very, very popular with our fans. From there, you know, Connor, we just kind of go day by day with the smoke. I'll tell you, I'm an optimist. We do have some friends of the great Reno balloon race within the fire industry. We have been talking to them and we think this is going to play out in the next few days either way. And then when we did even even whisper the thought of, well, could we even do it? Many of our partners are like, what about the mental health of what the great Reno balloon race? You know, this community needs this event. Mm -hmm. So even if it's static, it's better than nothing. If it's really smoky, People can make their own choices if they want to go out and maybe wear a mask. We're moving forward with an event and we expect one way or another, we're going to have balloons either inflated or in flight. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that even if the balloons are not taking off, like you talked about this, these static displays are very fun. And also in the morning when they do kind of the glow show mm-hmm. thing and it's still dark out and you see the balloons, even if they haven't taken off yet, all lighting up, that's a big part of the balloon races in general. That I think when most people think of the balloon races, it's the dawn patrol. It's yeah, the early morning, yeah, the right, takeoff stuff. Right. Obviously, that's I'm assuming temperature related. Is it just balloons fly in the morning because the air is colder? Can you talk a little bit about the morningness of the balloon races? Why they're such an early event? Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, it's an early event because we do want to fly in the cool of the day, right? Temperature is not does not work. Temperature and wind don't work for balloons. So the mornings are the ideal time to fly. We've been really fortunate that our event has kind of become known as the Dawn Patrol event. They actually have a Dawn Patrol at Albuquerque, but it doesn't seem to have any pizzazz to it. Our Dawn Patrol pilots are truly into it. I mean, our lead Dawn Patrol pilot, Tim Taylor, and that's not a made-up name, <laughs> Tim Taylor, he is as unique a character and as great a pilot as you'll ever find. And they plan months in advance and choreograph this because this is their Super Bowl. They get such a rush by hearing the fans and seeing the fans, and they're overwhelmed. It's This is truly kind of their big event. So Dawn Patrol has just kind of blown up into this wonderful event because of that. The fans love it. The pilots love it. And they've really found that they, and they can fly really well because of the winds, because of the wind currents, the Dawn Patrol flight can really do some really magical things. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. So that's, that's why we go that early because of the night flying. And then it's just easier because of the coolness of the morning for the rest of the mass ascension. Are there pilots who have been flying at the Reno races year after year after day? Like, what's the longest standing balloon? Most pilots are have been with us. About We have about an 85% return every year. And part of that churn is because if a pilot doesn't fly the way we want him to, we just don't have him come back or make him take a year off. But we've had pilots fly... God, I, I won't say since the first event, because that was a long time ago, but we've probably had pilots flying for at least 25 years at the event. This is a returning, it, it's just, the churn is very low at this because it is an invitation only, because they like the competition, because the enjoyment of coming to Reno. I know it looks bad today, but Reno Tahoe is still the gym. They want to be here, right? New Mexico's 
New Mexico. <laughs> it's kind of cool. It's beautiful. I love New Mexico, but Taos is a long ways from Albuquerque. But, you know, so it's just everything that we have to offer here and what this area has to offer is what, what allure, is the allure here and all that. So how did you get involved in working on the balloon races? So you're not a balloon pilot yourself, but you've been the executive director of the races for what, over a decade now, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your, uh, what was your involvement? How did you get involved in the balloon races and, and what has it been like in your tenure so far? Well, my involvement with the balloon races is I was actually the original kind of going back 20 years. I was, I originally founded a publication in Northern Nevada called Northern Nevada Business Weekly. And one of my partners, her name was Marlene Olson. And at the time, her PR firm was managing the balloon races, had been managing it for 30 years since its inception. Well, it was just time for change. And, and Marlene was going another direction. And the balloon races needed a bit of an overhaul and needed some new thinking. It was just kind of at a place where it needed an update. I was selling and leaving the Business Weekly as publisher. It was kind of time to move from move on from print and in my mid forties, just trying to figure out what to do. And Marlene had made a mention to me of this and, and she kind of told me everything that was wrong with it. But man, I just saw this whole opportunity and I thought this could be fun, right? This thing is bitching, <laughs> right? This could be neat. And I thought, what else am I going to do? And it was a need. It, it needed, it needed a business person's hand at the time. It needed to be treated as a business, not as a ballooning event, right? It's black and red, nonprofit or not. It's a business. It's black or red. Mm -hmm. I took on the challenge and I just fell in love with it. And we've turned over about half our board of directors with a lot of people that I knew in the business community that understood how important this event was and understood that this event was in trouble and that uh, we weren't going to let that happen. And so I took a two to three year project and now I've just kind of my, our baby. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got into it. It was more about timing and situation and opportunity. And uh, man, it's so much fun. We have so much fun. Melissa, do we have fun? She's shaking her head. We have fun. This is a great, it's Disneyland. It's, it's got a lot of Disney to it. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. and you get out of it what you put into it. So we try to put a lot into it. Did you learn a lot from, what you expected versus what the reality was like you came in again, not having that much background in the balloon space or even in the event space, I guess, really, what have you learned along the way? Is it what you expected? Are there giant challenges that you didn't see coming? What have the, the big lessons been? You know, I think I didn't realize the impact of taking on something that you just see as a business, but the community sees this as a bigger animal. You don't own this, right? You just are the steward of it. This isn't a normal business. You're at, you know, this community loves this event. They damn well expect it to be taken care of and they damn well expect whoever's doing it to do a good job. And so I don't think I understood the gravity of what it meant. In the same token, I used that, I used that as trying to get this thing. I put this above everything and said, no personal agendas matter. The balloon race is the most important thing. So the gravity of it, you know, the one thing about it that is very challenging is how important, what's, I can't think of the terminology, but we carry a lot of weight on our shoulders. You saw what happened in 2011 at the air races. There was a crash. 11 people died. I knew the director out there and the horror stories he told me about sitting in on tents with the pastor and a grief counselors talking to families was very humbling. And in fact, we implemented a lot of safety rules after that. So the gravity of what we're doing, understanding how important it is, understanding what this means economically to the community, understanding what this means to so many thousands of people. 
those things weigh on your shoulders. And then, you know, you throw in a little terrorism, you throw in smoke, you throw in COVID. It just adds to that weight of responsibility. So I think those were the things that I just kind of nonchalantly walked into this saying, yeah, I'm going to fix this. And, and I had a hard learning lesson and, and it humbles you. So this is the 40th anniversary and you have a couple special things going on because of that, right? It's the 20 years since 9-11. It's the 40th year of the races. I think there's something you're doing around first responders, I know, because that was a big focus last year around COVID too. Can you talk a little bit about some of the special events and things that you're doing this year in particular? As you mentioned, obviously 9-11 is on Saturday of the event. So we're going to take a moment to recognize those that we lost and all those first responders that you know, bravely sacrificed for that. Coincidentally, we're just honoring first responders this year. Our, our poster is uh, themed towards the first responders. We are partnering with the Sands Regency Hotel here, one of our founding partners. Instead of bringing VIPs out this year, what the Sands is doing is putting the whole tent together, catering the whole thing, and then they're going to offer free to any first responder that's a current, you know, involved in that. So that's, you know, that's a $15,000 food bill that they're throwing out to do that. We're, you know, so we're doing a lot of things. We're going to give some free rides away to first responders. And, you know, we just want to say thank you to everything that they do. You know, my son served in the Navy, so I knew firsthand of the sacrifice and saw what they go through. And so we're really, we're really honored to, to do that. And again, I want to go back to our county partners. Without the sheriff and the, and the fire department, I couldn't put on this event. And they basically very much help us put on this event. So we're so fortunate. We're really lucky and, and happy with that theme this year. And I think it's going to go a long ways. What do you want to see happen in the future? So things are always growing, always changing. I'm sure you've got ideas for where you want the races to go or things that you want to improve. What's on your agenda? What do you, what would you like to see happen with the races going forward? Well, I, I'll tell you, and I'll just kind of tip my hand, <laughs> my strategic hand is I want to see them expand. I'd like to see an additional day. I think the crowds want it. We might try to do some things special this year on our media flight that Thursday with our special shapes, but I'd like to see our media day move up to maybe even a Wednesday and turn Thursday in a full flight. It's an economic driver for our economy. And you know, that you can never go wrong with that. It's such a beautiful event. So I think that's what we want to do. And I think the other thing I would add to that is we're always looking at new special shapes. We always want to bring in different special shapes. That's always going to be our mantra. Bring back new ones like Darth Vader's not here this year, but maybe next year. Mm -hmm. So we want to do those fun things and keep that fresh, keep the balloons fresh, but not move away too far from what our original mission was, is to bring beautiful balloons and make them very accessible to our fans on a special weekend, right? Mm -hmm. So I think continuing to improve the fan experience, like we talked about, continuing to bring in new, neat, special shape balloons, can continue everything that just makes the whole experience positive. Yeah. What tips do you have for attendees of the balloon races? Because I know, obviously, get there early, get a good spot, that kind of thing. I know when I was a kid growing up, it was always about who do we know that lives somewhere that has a good view <laughs> right, of the balloons right, and we right, can go right. over to their house and like watch the balloons right. from their balcony or whatever. So for people who want to get the most out of the balloon races, what are some, some tips, insider tips, you know, the best way to experience the races for sure. Yeah. And we actually have a, a have a place on our website and I'll give you that address when we're done um, that you can go, but there's definitely a lot of ways to get the most out of it because you got to keep in mind, the park wasn't built for this. The park is just a big, I mean, it was a pasture. They used to th throw cow chips off the pasture before the pilots got there in the old days, right? They used to run cattle. We just had it cut with, you know, crop machines. It's just, it's a, it's a, literally a working pasture. 
So getting there early is a big deal. Leave your pets at home. I love my dog. Man, I love pets. Balloons, when they hit their guns, it's bad for their ears. Leave your pets at home. We have a very strict pet policy and we enforce it. We don't want that. Bring your dog back out later in the morning when we're done. You're welcome to, but leave your pets at home. Drones, let me tell you, it's an FAA wavered space. The FAA doesn't mess around, right? If you've got a drone in the air, they catch you. And let me tell you, there's eyes all over the place. If the FAA catches you flying a drone there, they're going to hang your ass by your Buster Browns. (laughs) Just know, I love drones. One day, drones will be part of our event. I honestly believe it. We'll have, I would love to see a controlled drone up there under a controlled environment. But the FAA isn't there. We're not there yet. And then one day we'll be there, but we're not there. Don't do it. Don't smoke, right? Can't flame. So all those things. But go to renoballoon.com and there's a lot of good ways that tips on how to best enjoy the event. There's a lot of good ways to go out and have fun, have a cup of coffee and just be blown away. Mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought about the drone things, but I imagine that also is a major safety risk, right? If you had drones being flown around the balloons, that's a a big risk, right? Yeah, that's a big no-no. And like I said, they find out. I mean, yeah, don't do it. It, You don't want to go to jail. (laughs) Right. Uh, It does get me thinking, though, about drones as a form of like – aerial entertainment for people. I've seen at some like Super Bowls and things like that. They have these coordinated drone shows. And again, this kind of comes back to technology and that's piloting as well, controlling all of these drones and stuff. And you said you want that to be part of the show, maybe at some point in the future, some kind of drone element. Yeah. And I'm not sure what that would look like. I mean, it would even be fun and not, you know, just kind of talking about it, but you know, you think about like, as we broaden this event, it wouldn't kind of be neat one day if we actually had some kind of drone show out there. I mean, I think there's a lot of neat things. We're not anti-drone, but drones and balloons right now are just not a good combination, but down the road. Yeah. If we had a licensed pilot that could fly a drone around a Dawn patrol safely, and there was a coordinated effort with guidance from the FAA, Absolutely, I would do it. You know, and if our pilots were involved, and again, it was in an environment that was safe, man, what an amazing shot that would be. And when that day comes, I would love to do it. I would hopefully we would find a local pilot. And I just don't think that we're there yet. I think it's a few years off still. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Let's see. What else? What uh, What did we miss? What else do you want people to know about the races or about ballooning? You've been involved in this for a long time, so I'm sure you've seen a lot. What else do you want people to to know about the races or what might people not not know or not realize? Well, you know, I, I think I would just maybe more remind them than tell them something they don't know. We didn't have any special events last year. You know, economically, we need these special events. The smoke is a bit of a damper right now, but don't let it completely dissuade you. Make a good choice what that day looks like. We'll be talking to our fans through social media, but I think just come out and come cherish what we really have. This isn't an amazing event. We don't know how lucky we are to have it. And I'm going to just go back. In 2016, there was an article in the Weather Channel. I just love it. And we see so much of this. And Melissa's shaking her head over there because she knows we see so much national and international press. The Weather Channel travel section, which is, you know, it's a big deal, the Weather Channel, right? They were talking about the 10 great best places to go in September, And I'll never forget, the first place they talked about was Machu Picchu. And I thought, wow, Machu Picchu. And then the second place I couldn't remember. The third thing on that list was the great Reno balloon race in Reno, Nevada. And sometimes we're so close to the trees, we don't see the forest. That really hit home. I'm like, 
my God, they're talking about the Maldives and then the great Reno balloon race, but why not? We're next to Tahoe. Why not? It's beautiful here. And you know, there's smoke today, but this is a beautiful place. We love it here. That's kind of a slogan we have. We love this place. Melissa and I, and, and the founders of this event are the same way. So you know, those things really resonate, hit home with you about how important, what a big deal and how lucky we are that we have this. Oh yeah, absolutely. One thing I was going to mention earlier and forgot about, I used to host couch surfers. So people who are traveling around the country or the world, it's kind of like a, not like Airbnb because there's no money exchange, but if you have a spare bedroom or whatever, and you're willing to host people who are traveling. So I did that a lot a few years ago, hosted a bunch of people who are traveling. And I got a message from this girl who lived in Ukraine And she was coming to the United States. She was visiting New York City and San Francisco and Chicago and Reno for the balloon races. Because when she was 14 or so, she'd written some paper for school about hot air balloons and balloon races and learned all about Reno and the great Reno balloon race. And it was on her United States bucket list to come to Reno for this specific event. So she came and stayed and we went to the races And it was just this amazing experience for her that she had dreamed about for years since she was a teenager. And it was so cool to be able to share that with someone and really see that event through someone else's eyes who didn't grow up with it, who doesn't take it for granted. And it was really a this wake up call that we do have a lot of great events in Reno that people travel for. And we live close to Lake Tahoe. People come from all around the world to visit Lake Tahoe and we get to just drive up there. It's an hour away. Right. So I think that that really did resonate with me, this idea of like, oh, this is something special, even if we don't realize it. And having that ability to experience it through someone else who was really excited about it, who traveled halfway around the world for it, yeah, was a really, really cool. Yeah. And you know, one of the things you talk to locals here, we talk to all of them and, and you'll, and you'll run across people like say, oh man, I haven't gone in a couple of years or I didn't go last year. And that's common and we get it. You know, it's really early. <laughs> we know, but it's like family. They just want to know that you're there and you're okay. Cause next year, maybe they do want to go next year. Maybe the kids are old enough, or maybe next year their grandkids are old enough, or next year, maybe it's their empty nesters and they want to do it. So it's even that vibe of like, Hey, I may not be going this year, but I, I love this thing. And I'm, it damn well better be in good, in a good way. (laughs) You better Mm -hmm. take care of it. Right. They, they want to know it's okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things in living in a city that is largely based around events. Like Reno is a very big event city. Right. And having those occur year after year and become foundational to how we see our city as what we are, the options that we have for things to do to gather together, it creates the sense of community that you don't always think of consciously. But I think having that sense of, yes, year after year, decade after decade, we have these things that define what Reno is and they kind of shape the character of Reno. Right. And we've spent millions of dollars, the community shaping these events and refining these events and figuring out what events are accurate and what don't stay right. You know, the state fair was a big deal. Well, that's gone now, but they have staying power and they're real and they're really unique and they're really different. And, and you throw the art element that we've finally have captured since the late nineties, you know, and for us, we, we kind of, we, I'm as much, I kind of go to the art side as much as I go to the entertainment side, right? We're a beautiful art exhibit as much as anything, all those balloons in the air and the artistic way we fly and all that. So, you mm-hmm. know, we kind of like even bring more of that, but you're right. The events here have been polished where they're really good and fans really see value in them. Mm-hmm. 
Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's really great to learn about the balloon races. Again, they're such an important event for the city and one that I think everyone that I know has this generally warm and fuzzy positive feeling towards. I think that there are a lot of events that are not for everybody, but I don't know anyone who has anything bad to say about a beautiful display of balloons over the city. Even if people don't attend it, I don't see any kind of criticisms of it. So it's really nice that we have this family friendly, free, consistent event. That's just a ton of fun. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show to tell me a little bit about it, because as someone who knows nothing about the ballooning industry, (laughs) it's always fun to kind of learn how it all works, too. So thanks for giving me some of the background there as well. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And I mean, I could talk all day on this stuff. This is it's a lot of fun. And there's it's 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 a lot more complex than I think the average fan recognizes. And that's okay. They just want to know that it's up there. It's out there. And it's going to be neat. And uh, we're good with that. So and we're really fortunate we get to do what we do. Awesome. And then, oh, last thing. So it is the 10th to the 12th of September. Yes. 10th, 11th, 12th. And where can people find out more information if they want to know the details, the rules, the times, all the, all that stuff, where can people get in the loop? Uh, Go to renoballoon.com and definitely look for the best way to experience the balloon races. There's lots of good tips on there. There's lots of food out there. You don't need to worry about taking food and food options. we got a lot of that good fair food out there in the morning, a hot coffee. Get there early. Look up our website. Go grab that information and you'll have a great time. Perfect. Thank you again so much, Pete. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thank you. Listeners, thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of Renoites, and special thanks to my guest this week, Pete Copeland, for coming on the show to talk about the great Reno balloon race. It is this weekend, September 10th to the 12th. You can find out all about it at renoballoon.com. I hope I will see you there. I'm going to be there for Dawn Patrol bright and early. Not sure which day yet, but I'm looking forward to it as I always do. If you enjoyed this episode or you enjoy the show in general, I could really use your help in spreading the word about it. This is still a pretty new podcast. I don't really like the marketing and advertising piece of my job. So it really helps when listeners let their friends and family and social media friends and whoever they know, know about the show. So if you enjoy the show, tell your friends, tell your family, share the links on Facebook, all that good stuff. And if you really want to help me out and got a couple minutes, you can leave me a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That helps people find the show as well. When they search for Reno and the show comes up and they see all those good reviews that encourages them to actually check it out. So I appreciate the positive reviews. Definitely likes, shares, comments, all that good stuff, or just listen. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys. That's all I got for you this week. See you next time. <laughs>